You know, this morning I just wanted to start with, you know, a testimony that uh, from a young mother, and you know how that the Bible and how Scripture has really changed her life. And she says a friend of mine shared that her parents had given her and her siblings a verse to cling to in life and to claim as her very own. So I began praying that God would show me a verse that would be applicable and intensely significant to the real me, the real me that he knit together in my mother's womb, the real me that he fearfully and wonderfully made, the real me that the enemy was regularly trying to redefine through negative self-talk. A short time later, he revealed my life verse to me during a Bible study. The verse wasn't even the focus of the lesson, but there it was, one I had read many times, but this time it was different. I instantly knew it was mine. And the verse was, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, she'd known the word whatever, whatever, and it was sort of a, you know, throwaway line. But God knew that I needed help taming and transforming my thoughts. He knew I was listening to lies from the enemy about who I was and who I wasn't. He knew they sent me spiraling down into dark thought dungeons that were practically impossible to climb out of on my own. Philippians 4.8 became my ladder, and rung by rung, God taught me how to climb it. He gave me specific instructions on how to use this verse to do a holy U-turn that would transport me away from the lies and back to a place of truth and refuge, safe in the arms of my Savior. Go slow and be thoughtful, God said. Use this verse to ask yourself questions about whatever you are thinking about. The answers will lead you to the truth. What is true about it? What is noble about it? What is right about it? What is pure about it? You get the idea. And she says it's unbelievable how well it works. It was as if he had written it just for me. I am no longer captive to those lies for extended periods of time. Hallelujah. I think it was just important that I just read a testimony from somebody else. I've got a verse here that has um, helped me through the years, and many years actually. But I just want to open this, this message in prayer. Lord, I just want to commit this time to you, and I know that you're speaking to me and you're speaking to others when we come around the Word of God. Lord, it's so important to you, and it's so important to us. So we just commit this time this morning, this brief time to you, and we ask that you speak to us as only you can in your precious name. Amen. Well, the verse I know, you if, you, if I said to you, okay, what verses have helped you? What, what, what comes to your mind first? You probably all be able to think, hopefully, of a, a Bible verse or a couple that has helped you in your, in your walk. The one that comes to me straight away is, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. To me, this is one of the best Old Testament verses, and has helped me to hold on a straight, straightish course, you know, for the last actually 45 years. The verse has never worn out. No matter how often I use it, it never runs out. Of course, the first verse talks about coming out of the old life. So you see there the people that have influenced you or what you have done, but we step out of that. We step away from those people who have led us astray. And then the second verse is really the crux of this verse. And we see that it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his Lord, law he meditates day and night. You know, my brother gave me my first Bible, and it was a very thick one. I was going to look for it and see if I could bring it. It's somewhere. But he gave me that. It was a new American standard. Anybody use that or know that? And I'm glad he gave me that version to start off with because it was simple. It was a simple language, and it, and it opened my heart to what God was wanting to do in my life. King David loved God and loved God's Word praising it many, many times through the Scriptures. He says in Psalm 119, The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Now, King David was a rich man. He was the king at that time, and yet he saw the Word of God as more valuable than all the money in the world. Does anybody else feel this way? Does anybody feel that the Bible is more important than anything else in their life? Give me a wave if you do. Give me a wave if you think there's something else out there more important. <laughs> you know, the Gospel of John begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then in verse 14, it makes it very clear who this is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. If we try to understand God without trying to understand the Bible, we lack the full picture of actually who he is. God can speak to us directly, and he still does. But our foundation of faith is built on an understanding of His Word. I like it when I go to visit people and they open the, they show me their Bible and you see it marked and it's, it's just got highlighting all through it. They just love that Word of God. I love people who want to talk about the Word of God. It's so important. Now, when we get to heaven, I know there's going to be, I've read that there's going to be books up there. There's going to be lots of other books, because a lot of other books have been inspired by God. And it's going to be interesting actually seeing what authors are up there. But while we're here on earth, we need to be in the Word of God. He, the, the Lord wants us to become more and more like Him. And we, as it says in 2 Corinthians, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory 
are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God wants us to become more and more like him. The more time we spend in the Word, the more we come to know God, and the more we become like Him. We no longer, if we spend time in the Word, lean towards or rely on the kingdom of darkness and Satan's tools for getting things done. Now, you can think of some of these, bitterness, strife, anger, pride. How often does the enemy offer us those tools when we come into a situation? But when we look to the kingdom of light and the amazing array of heavenly tools open to us, like love, you know, grace, forgiveness, gentleness, you know, our life changes, our life grows. Writing to the Galatians, Paul declares, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. This is another one of my favorite verses because this really sums up our life. We are crucified in Christ. In other words, our old life is supposed to be dead, you know? When, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, if you could just picture that your life went on that cross, your old life went on that cross, and your old life died, and my life died when Jesus died. Killed off, gone. And so now Christ lives in me. And if Christ lives in me, so does the Word of God, because they're they're together, they're one. As it says in Ephesians 4, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So allowing God in, the Spirit within us wants to bear fruit. But those fruit trees, believe it or not, that fruit grows on trees, So the fruit of the Spirit grows on trees, and those trees are in your heart. But we've got to actually let God into our heart to tend the trees. Now, some do that on a regular basis, and the Lord just comes in and does a little bit of trimming. You know what it's like in the garden if you tend your garden regularly? But others don't let the Lord in very often, and of course, He's got to come in with a big pruning uh, device and do quite a bit of chopping. But even Jesus knew the pruning. You know, it's, do you realize that, that the Father pruned the Lord as well? It says in John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll even be more fruitful. But then he goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. You see that verse just there? If my words remain in you. The words need to be in us. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's important that the Word of God is in us. You know, if we went to prison, if we were taken to prison, like let's say like in China or somewhere like that, and, you know, because of our faith, 
They wouldn't be giving us a Bible to read. In New Zealand here, you can read your Bible in prison. I'm told you can have books. But in these countries, you don't. And if you were in that cell on your own and you said, Lord, why am I here or whatever, but then you started to recount the Scripture that you knew off by heart, how many Scriptures do you reckon you could start to recall to help you through that process? But we need those Scriptures in life, not just to be in prison. They help us with every situation. Last year, uh, my tired hand-me-down chainsaw gave up the ghost. And I actually had to go and buy a new chainsaw. So I didn't want to spend a lot of money, so I went down to the still store, and they, they, they're up at the top shelf. They're really quite expensive, and then they get down and down. But right down the bottom, they've got some, some fairly cheap ones. So I decided to buy one of those. And not only did they give me a chainsaw, or of course, they gave me a manual, and they gave me a screwdriver socket thing to, to you know, take the, the blade off. And I was quite pleased that they gave me all that stuff, but really what I wanted to know was, how do you start this model? Just show me how to start it. I could imagine me getting out there and using it. So I got the guy to show me how to start it, and off I went. And then I went, um, and we were staying up at Okahu Road, and there were a couple of paddocks around it, and the neighbors had said that any of those dead trees you can, uh, you know, cut down and use for firewood. So, you know, I got all my gear, and I got out into the paddock and got through the gates and shut all the gates again and got to the tree. And do you think I could start that chainsaw? <laughs> I couldn't start it. <laughs> if anybody's done that, you know. <laughs> all right. I could not start that chainsaw. So what am I doing wrong? I heard what the guy said. I did everything, you know. But I had to get all my stuff again and back through all the paddocks and all the way back and then get my manual out to have a look at my manual. It still wouldn't start. But that's when I started, when I looked at my manual, it wouldn't start. So if you're a guy, there's a, there's a pride thing about this, you know? There's, and so I had to go back to that macho shop, <laughs> you know, and go in there and say, can you just start this thing for me, please? Anyway, I was pleased to know that I heard him out the back going, uh, 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 as well. <laughs> and then finally, he, he must have tinkered with something and he got it going. And I heard it all going. He comes out. It's going. Thank you. <laughs> but when you want to know what the mixture is as well, you know, and um, it pays to have a look at the manual because the mixture makes a difference. If you get the wrong mixture of oil, the oil starts actually coming out all the places it shouldn't be coming out of. I want to show you a picture. So there's the manual. There's the chainsaw. And there's the socket set just for anybody who doesn't know what one of those looks like, all right? And um, on the bottom, on the right-hand uh, corner, which I hadn't really noticed, all right, is a warning sign and a read-me sign. And so right at the very first cover, they tell us there's a warning and you need to read me. In fact, in this manual, there are actually 14 warning notices, including this one. Next one, next slide. Kickback can result in fatal cuts. Now, you probably know some men around and some women who have lost fingers for one reason or another with a sharp instrument. But have you ever actually seen somebody with a gouge in the front of their forehead? Anybody seen anybody like that? But actually, if you catch your chainsaw just where it says there on that top picture, 
that can actually cause the thing to kick back. Now, I'm not going to try that out, all right, just to see if that happens. But now that I've read that warning, it is going it, it to come to mind, you know. When you're cutting down on timber, it's not going to happen. But when you're sticking your chainsaw in amongst other timber and you catch your chainsaw just in that top tip there, there's a good chance it'll flick back up. It reminds me when I was a child, you know, learning things. You had to learn things as a child. And I was riding my push bike along and I could see this car parked against the curb. And I thought, if I put my head down, how close can I get to that car and will I be able to brake? So I've got my head down, I'm riding, I know the car's coming. Boomfa into the car. Well, that was a learning experience. <laughs> I'm not going to try it with the chainsaw. But whether, you know, whether it's a, whatever manual these days has got heaps of warning signs, you know, the hairdryer warning, don't use dryer while in the bath, you know, or the sandwich press warning, caution, hot surfaces, the temperature of accessible surfaces may be high when the appliance is operating. But how about this, the next picture there? How about this one? What do you think we should have on the Bible? A warning sign and um, a read me. It is important that you read the instruction manual before first use and keep it in a safe place for future reference. Non-observance of the instruction manual may result in serious or even fatal injury. That was actually cut out of the chainsaw manual, but you get the point. Maybe we should stick on our Bibles. Read me. It's important for your well-being. But not everything is obvious to everyone. Real complaints by travel agents. And this is, these are the complaints that travel agents received when their, when their clients came back. There was no sign telling you that you shouldn't get in the hot air balloon ride if you were afraid of heights. I compared the size of our one-bedroom apartment with our friend's three-bedroom apartment, and ours was significantly smaller. The street signs weren't in English. I don't understand how anyone can get around. If you've ever been to a foreign country, you'll find that. You said the town was next to a volcano, but we went, and there was no lava. I'm pretty sure it was just a mountain. You know, the opening verses of the book of Proverbs invites us to read the word. And it's got it up there. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. Then it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so I thought it'd be good to put some few warning signs all through the Bible. You know, just when it's a warning, you know, we throw that in there. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
We can't know everything, though. So whether it's in the Bible or an operating manual, warnings are there to help us succeed and to stay safe. They are good for us. You know, there's been a lot of people falling off cliffs lately. There's been 12 in one place in England where people are either slipping in or doing it on purpose. But there are warning signs saying don't go near the edge. But now with the advent of selfies, they believe a lot more people have died because of selfies than any other photography. So people want to get the best picture and get closer to the cliff, and then they've found the camera at the top of the cliff, and unfortunately the people at the bottom of the cliff. And this is happening quite regularly. I've spoken before about being born with negative mindsets developed over the centuries to survive without God. You know, they, it came about with, when Adam and Eve were put out of the Garden of Eden. Now longer they, they were no longer being protected. They had to survive. They had to watch out for wild animals. They had to coexist with what was rough and tough out there. So, of course, the devil gave people a mindset of how to survive without God. And we've inherited that as well, that negative mindset. So when the Bible says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I know I've mentioned some of this before, but it's important. We often think that the renewing of the mind is just about the stuff that we watch and the stuff that we you know, think about and all that sort of stuff. And that's important if our minds are heading in the wrong direction. But often our minds are geared up to be in the wrong direction. Who teaches a two-year-old to be naughty? Who teaches any kid to be naughty? It's just generally they can do that on their own. We're trying to teach them to be good. Well, it's the same with adults. We have this negative mindset that we have inherited. So the Word of God changes that because we start to see things from God's perspective. Okay, we don't need to get angry in that situation. We don't need to just think negative thoughts about everybody. God thinks the world is good. God thinks that you guys are good. God thinks I'm good, believe it or not. All right? He, he loves us. I love what uh, Denise said this morning about God's been looking forward to us coming in and worshiping. I thought that's a great thought. You know, do we think about that in the morning when you're driving? To, God's looking forward to me coming and worshiping Him. I think that's an excellent thing. Thanks, Denise. If it doesn't come to mind, we won't consider it as an option. When the children of Israel wanted to be like the other peoples around, they cried out to God for a king. And King Saul was duly appointed by Samuel to rule over them. It's a sad story, really, but Saul disobeyed God. And, of course, the kingdom was taken away. I think it's, I think it's important that we just go through that story because if we don't know what God is saying to us, then that's one thing. But if God has been saying some t something to you and you're not listening or you're not doing it, then he's not really happy about that. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over the people Israel. Warning. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them on their way up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them 
put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Now, it sounds really terrible, I know. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Hebalah to Shur on the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So really they only did half of what God wanted. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I am grieved that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. When he reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is that bleating of sheep in my ears? What is that lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul said, I went to the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle for the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. You notice he blames the soldiers there, shifts the blame. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, I know that's a long story, and I've cut out quite a bit to get through that. But the thing is, the point is that if we don't know what God is asking us to do, that's one thing, all right? Because we haven't um, read the word of the God, the word, word of the Lord, and it's important that we do do it. But having read it and then doing stuff contrary to it, then that's a different story. And I think sometimes we've just got to ask the Lord, "Forgive me. I'm trying to do my best. Forgive me um, for not obeying Your word." Knowing what God says, then actually carrying it out is very pleasing to God. And as Samuel told Saul, God. Prefers, prefers obedience to sacrifice. I'm sure everyone here would rather do the will of God than disobey. That's, that's what we're wired for. We want to do the will of God. The Apostle Paul himself ministered to the seven churches listed in chapters 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation. And later, when in prison, he wrote to them. And yet Jesus still had some serious charges against them. So here you had the best, you might say, Bible teacher of the time going and visiting them and ministering to all those churches. And then when he was in prison, he wrote to the Ephesians, he wrote to the Philippians, he wrote to the other churches as well. And yet Jesus still had some charges over them. But at the end, over five of them, two of them came out unscathed. But he says at the end, another warning, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, I'm just going to stop there a sec. Now, that is a good verse, and, and it's often used at altar calls when God is calling people into the kingdom. But really, Jesus is outside. He's saying, I'm outside your church. Let me in. You know, by the hair of my chinny chin chin, let me in. 
you've put me out. You're busy doing this and you're busy doing that, but I'm outside the door and I want to come in. And he says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcome, overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. We see Jesus through the three years of ministry that he did overcome and he did make it. You know, he was called to be sinless, but he still had to walk that sinless life. And we're called really to be as sinless as possible even though we'll always need the blood of Jesus. You know, Christianity without Christ is really no Christianity at all. God wants to be part of our lives. He wants the Word to be the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. He wants to have fellowship with us. He doesn't want to be outside our lives. He created every one of us. And the last verse that I really want to share this morning is for you. This is something, just, I'm just going to go a bit slow over this. This is something I just want you to just take away this morning, this verse here from Psalms. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were where? Were written in your book. Before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. You know, Some of you have a really good memory. Some of you take notes. But if you have a chance to go back to your Bible today and say, what was that verse? It's Psalm 139, 13 to 17. If you could just meditate on that and come into that relationship with with what God thinks about you. You are so, so special to Him. So as I close, I I want to just say to the Lord, I want us to say to the Lord, Lord, You've helped me this far. Continue to give me your word. Continue to help me get into your word. Help me to make it a priority. You know, when I'm sitting watching that telly and I'm just seem to wasting my time away or early in the morning, it doesn't matter whether it's in the morning or the night. It's good to get your job sorted out in the morning. God may give you work for the day. And so that's a good time to have, but it doesn't matter. It's a matter of coming back as a church and opening the Word. It's coming back and knowing what He is saying to us as individuals and saying to us as a church. When somebody prays over you and they say, look, I really feel I've got a Word for you, you should be able to say in your heart, that's a confirming Word for what God has already told me. You know, I had a a visit from a lady who was going from, I found from church to church, from pastor to pastor. She said, I know God gives pastors words for people. And she said, I've now, I didn't ever better before. She said, now I've come for a word. I wanted a word. And I asked her whether she actually read the Bible. And she booked out this little book and she opened it up and there was just a little book with favorite verses in it. And that was her Bible. She didn't actually read the Bible. So she was going from man to man to man to get word for what God 
was going to say to her. And sadly, she believed that she was going to go on missions. And she had had for months her bags packed at the front door, ready to go on missions, waiting for the word that a man would give her. So I spent some time with her saying, you need to read the Bible. You need to come back to what God is saying to you. So that when a man does speak or a woman speak into your life, you say, that's a confirming word what God has already told me. It's sad. It was a sad story. Because I'm sure from me, then she would go on to the next church to find out another word. But I hope that she would get into the Bible. There's different ways of reading the Bible, if you haven't done it before. I'd be interested to know, how many people have read the whole book of Revelation? How many people have read it a couple of times? That's really cool. You know, if you start off at the beginning of the Bible and you tire somewhere through that Bible, you're not going to get to Revelation. But the book of Revelation, you know, at the beginning of it, it promises us a blessing if we read it and if we hear it and if we do what it says. It's a very important book of the Bible. It's a prophecy. It's a prophetic message to us as individuals and to the church. So I'm going to recommend that you read, if you haven't read the book of Revelation, just by reading it, you'll get a blessing, but you'll get a blessing out of it anyway. But there is the one-year Bible, and I've read this, this one over and over again. And I just have my marker in there, and I don't do it religiously, but every day there is new verses to read. So you, you, you get a mixture of it. Now, when you have your meal, generally you've got a mixture on your plate. You know, you might have a, a rice and some curry on there and maybe some veggies, or you might have meat, potato and veggies or whatever. Generally, fish and chips, all right, there's fish and chips and batter and salt and oil and tomato sauce, but there's usually a mixture. And, and when we uh, read the Word of God, it's, it's actually sometimes good to have a mixture. So this, these one-year Bibles, they give you a bit of the Old Testament, a bit of the New Testament, and some, a bit of Psalms and a proverb. So you go through the Bible in a year through that. So you can start it on any day. Today's the 1st of July. You can start on the 1st of July and just work your way through and then start again. I was very pleased with my daughter. She rang me up and said, Dad, have you, have you got a one-year Bible? And I actually did because I ring up the second-hand bookshop and I say to them, have you got any one-year Bibles? And they'll ring me up when they get one in so I can buy it cheap and then give it away. But I gave the last one away. But the second-hand bookshop at, at uh, Mount Ross School, they've often got heaps of Bibles. The other thing is, you know, the word for today. And in the word for today, at the bottom, they call what soul food. And at the bottom, if you read those scriptures, all those scriptures, you'll actually read the Bible in a year as well. And that's put together by Peter Shaw. Um, uh, and Peter and Allison are part of Church Unlimited, and he works for Radio Rima. So he does the soul food on the bottom of that. So there's ways to actually be reading the Bible. But if you didn't get time to read the whole Bible, you could be reading some of those verses. Now, I, knew it, I know at Limitless, they give out uh, these. Give me a wave if you've got one of these. Jerome, are you awake? You got one of these? All right, at the bottom, you've got Bible verses there. So you can actually go through the Bible and feed on the Word of God. God is speaking to us at church, and he says in the last days that many will be deceived. 
And I'm happy for you to challenge me about the Scriptures, but I try to bring Scriptures in. I try to bring them so that we can actually read them together, all right, so that the Word of God comes. I don't want to deceive you, but it says in the last days we will be deceived. But if we're not in the Word of God, we're not even going to know. We're just going to go from one fad to another. So if the musicians could come up, that would be really cool. So I just want to, I just found the Lord was just encouraging us to just come back to the Word. Just come back to spending some time in the Word of God with Him, to get to know Him. He talks to us. He wants to talk to us wherever you are, driving in the car, in the shower, wherever. God will speak to you. If you want to talk to Him, He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He's just waiting for us to do that. But He, he always speaks to us through the Word if we have an open heart. And if you've got your Bible, I suggest you have a highlighter pen with you. I like the three colors. I like green, yellow, and red, all right, to mark the Bible. I like the traffic lights, green, you know, just, well, that was fairly interesting. Yellow is, oh, God's trying to tell me something. And red is, you better do this, Paul. <laughs> you better keep this in mind. So that's how I usually mark the Bible. But Lord, we just, uh, I just want to commit this to the Lord. Just feel the hand of the Lord is talking to people right now. God's not wanting to make anybody feel good, guilty about this. He'll put his finger on you, though, and he'll say, come on. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to open that word. I'm waiting for you to come and spend time with me. So, Lord, I just pray for myself and everyone in this room. We can always say we can pray more, we can read more, we can do this more and do that more. But Lord, you want an intimate relationship with us. You say that you stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears your voice and opens the door, you will come in and sup with us. So I just pray from this week on, we spend time with you. And like that test me at the beginning, Lord, give everyone a verse that's relevant to them, that strengthens them. You've given me verses, Lord, over the years that have helped me and come to mind all the time. Guide us and lead us by your precious word. Amen.